How many of you would say that you are, uh, what's the word I would look for? Spontaneous. Uh, look around. Those are the people that came at 1045. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Relax. Uh, you're offended already. Well, you can get over it. That's all right. Uh, how many of you would say then you're a planner? You're more the planner. Yeah? Okay. They were here at 1020. They were here. No, they would love to a bit. Now, how many of you don't know what you are because you have little children? You're just trying to make it somewhere. Amen. Yeah. yeah we know. I've been there. How many of you are married to somebody that's the opposite of you if you're married? Yeah. Yeah. We're, there's counseling available. It's, uh, it's a way that God, it seems like it happens, happens a lot. The way you get to get put together with or, or you work with somebody that's your total opposite. Yeah. Some people are planners. You know you're a planner when you wear uh, suspenders and a belt. I've, I've seen it happen. Suspenders and a belt. You know that you're a spontaneous, not prepared person when you're not at your birthday party because you stopped at a sale. You forgot about it. Here's some signs that you're a preparer or a planner. Your notes app on your phone is full of lists, shopping lists, to-do lists, lists to not forget your list, and any other type of list you might possibly need. Can I get an amen from the planners? Yeah. How about this? You usually finish your assignments more than a day in advance. Who does that? We're just going to pray for you. Group projects are your worst nightmare. Because how are you supposed to trust everybody else to pull their weight? Right? When you go on a holiday, you plan your outfits, and you pack accordingly, and you plan for possible days that might happen that you're not even aware of so that you're ready when it does happen. Yeah. Spontaneous people think you're boring. But they go to you when they can't find their boarding pass. Been there, done that. Spontaneous. You might be spontaneous if you've traveled without a map to somewhere you don't know just because. Yeah? Yeah. The planner is still at home looking for the map. Most meal plans for a spontaneous person are made up on their way home from work. What am I going to eat tonight? I don't know. <laughs> Skip the dishes. It's not a meal plan, my wife. Okay. You have woken up your kids at midnight when there's a snowstorm because there will be no snow tomorrow. So why not? Spontaneous people. The planner is like, they'll be off in their schedule. It'll be terrible. They will not sleep for a week. The spontaneous is like, I don't care. We're going. It's going to be fun. You avoid making concrete plans for Saturday because you're hoping something better comes up when I ask you for dinner. I see you out there. And you are that person on the group project. You're that person. Planners think you're irresponsible, but they come to you when they haven't been at a party for six weeks. Because you are the party. Planners, spontaneous, rarely are we strictly one or the other. Most of the times we're a blend of one of those but some of you are one or the other. I pity you if you're married to two total opposite people. Uh, wow, it's going to be fun for you. Now, there's time and space for both. And you see this in, uh, in wintertime reality. You're like, how are you making this transition? Well, 
Do you know that winter is coming? In fact, it was frosty out this morning. Winter is coming. But I was talking to my friend in New Jersey yesterday, and they had a big storm back there in New Jersey and New York last week. And it was just two or I think two to six inches, something like that, depending on where. But the city of New York and all of New Jersey and the eastern seaboard, much of it came grinding to a halt because they weren't prepared for winter. They didn't have the plows lined up. They didn't have the schedule made. They didn't, hadn't, hadn't bought all the salt, and it wasn't all organized. And so literally kids stayed overnight at school because there was not preparation made for it. It happens here. When it comes time for our first snowfall, there are people lined up at the tire shop like, I had no idea that it snows here. I had no idea. These bald tires, I don't know where they came from, but here we are. I, and you try and get an appointment at the tire shop on the first day of snow. It's almost impossible because we're all like, oh, it snowed. I don't know. Now, we get a little bit more mercy than if you lived in Saskatchewan because it snows. it's amazing when it doesn't snow there. But we're here, and uh, here we are. It can get even really funny, though. This is an actual story. Uh, I think it was last year, my son-in-law, Caleb, and his dad, Chris, were out. They spent a number of years in uh, Winnipeg, saw the light, and came back. But they were there, and Winnipeg has snow and ice and, and weeks of, like, negative temperatures, and it's, it's not fun. So they're prepared for when we got a little bit of snow. And they were at a hill not far from here, and there were people spinning out. How many of you have seen those people? Spinning out on a little hill that's like this, this high. How many of you have been those people? We know. We're behind you. We're praying for you something. Uh, and so anyway, they were there, and there was people sliding out, and they're pushing them and helping them and doing all kinds of stuff. And so there was these two guys. This is a true story. Pushing their car, trying to get it up the hill. And so Caleb goes to help him and says, tell the guy something to this. I make it the exact detail, but the essence is, tell the guy inside to push the gas when we start to go. And they're like, there's nobody inside. <laughs> this is a true story. In our city, two guys pushing it at the back in park, trying to get it to go up the hill. They, that has nothing to do with preparation. That's something else. We're not going to go there right now. For real, no one was in the car. I mean, there's preparation. Oh, I didn't get my tires. I don't have chains. Like, nobody's in the car. I don't know how you can work with that one. <laughs> preparation is important. Preparation is absolutely important. It's vital. It's an important thing to do. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that today in regards to our finances. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you help us, Lord, to understand and to, to receive this morning. In the strong name of Jesus, amen. So I'm going to turn to uh, Scripture in Proverbs chapter 6. The ants go marching two by two. This is the Passion Translation, so blame it if it hits too hard. When you're feeling lazy, <laughs> great way to start Come and learn a lesson from the tale of the tiny ant. It sounds like, uh, yes, all you lazy bones. Come learn from the example of the ant and enter into wisdom. The ants have no chief, no boss, no manager. No one has to tell them what to do. You'll see them working and toiling all summer long, stockpiling their food in preparation. Everybody say preparation. 
Say that again. Preparation for winter. So wake up, sleepyhead. How long will you lie there? Will you wake up? When will you wake up and get out of your bed? If you keep nodding off and thinking, I'll do it later, or say to yourself, I'll just sit back a while and take it easy. Just watch how the future unfolds. Look at that. You're lazy, lazy bones. Uh, what else do you say? Sleepyhead. Uh, all those kind of things. But we're not done yet. Don't worry. The earth has four creatures that are very small but very wise. We're going to look at one this morning. The feeble ant has little strength, yet look how diligently Look how it diligently gathers its food in the summer to last throughout the winter. Everyone say preparation. preparation. All right. There was a time uh, when we had three kids and we were in a we we had this opportunity to live in a character house. I've said this before. A character house is just a house that builds character because you live in it. It usually means it's falling down in some way. So we had different seasons in that house. There's the regular seasons of spring, summer, winter, and fall. But we had slug season where slugs would come and they would, you would see a track literally across the ceiling and because you would find the slug on your plate in the morning. For real. Spider season came when there would be loads of spiders moving all around. You had no idea where they came from, but, oh, it's spider season. The one season that was the, the worst was ant season. These were not just regular ants. These were flying ants. And ants that would come and it would just start and then it would be flying around in your house looking to get out in some kind of a way, in some kind of a fashion. Little knowing fact about ants is that, uh, flying ants in particular, is that when uh, it's springtime, when they've gone through the winter and it's time to go out, the ones that have survived the winter and actually been born in the winter are the ones that fly out. They're little queen ones followed by all the males. That's how way it goes. And these queen ants will fly a long distance until they know they're far enough from their home nest that there will be no interbreeding. Amazing, isn't it? This is all scientific right now. Now, here's the crazy part. They fly super fast. This is just all for free. They fly super fast because only the fast guy, the fast ant, will catch them. It's actually God's design that the ants will be strong and fit so that the fastest ones will breed. Now, here's the, the best part of the story. is Once that guy catches her, he thinks he's got it made, that male ant. He catches her, and apparently they mate in the air. There's no children. They're in children's shirts. It's all right. It happens. Birds and ants. Uh, so they mate in the air, and as soon as they're finished, the, man, the male ant dies. They fall to the ground, he's dead, she crawls in the ground and begins to start a new nest and for the rest of her life will lay eggs. Rest of her life from that moment. He has a moment and he's gone. <laughs> I won the race, I won the race, I won the race, yay! <laughs> the end. That's not what we're talking about today, but it was interesting. How many of you found that interesting this morning? You got some info. Right? Man, and that lady just is like, she's productive. Don't all go there. I wasn't going there. I'm talking about ants. So there's some things that we learn from this scripture. Is first of all that winter comes. Whether you like it or not, winter comes. Whether you're prepared or not, winter comes. There are we're not ants, so 
Winter would speak of seasons and times when there's less than enough, when it might be difficult economically, when there might be some challenges to your resource base that you uh, have learned to uh, trust in. And recessions in Canada are a normal part of our economic system. They happen around every seven to eight years in Canada where there's a slowdown in our economy. And uh, sometimes they're worse than others. In the 1970s, there was a difficult time, lots of job loss, high interest rates, high inflation, all that, which was followed by the 80s of high interest rates. Now, some of us have, did not, have not no clue of what a high interest rate was where I know friends that walked away from houses because they were paying 21 and 22% interest on their mortgage, not their credit card, their mortgage. And so it was a difficult, difficult time. We were growing up with six kids in the family. We never missed a meal, but we ate a lot of soup, a lot of soup, and that was it. And then the 1990s, which I can recall, three to four years of really, really difficult time. Canada was actually on the crux of going bankrupt and had to make some difficult, difficult choices. It was a season and time that was not fun. Our unemployment rate was super high. Uh, there was not a lot of investment, not a lot of jobs happening. And then in the 2008, 2009, which America probably experienced more than us, the Great Recession, all of you are effect were affected by that because you paid to bail out banks and car dealers. The ones who hold the most debt over people, we bailed them out twice. But that's another story. Right now, our economy is doing well, but winter's coming. Now, I'm not saying it's going to go all terrible, but just in a normal cycle of things, and you can see the beginning signs of it, our interest rates are creeping up. If you're on a variable, variable rate mortgage, it's probably going up like that. And any interest rates are going to be, and are, the Bank of Canada said, continuing to go up. Um, Wages have been going up very slowly, while costs seem to have gone up quickly. It doesn't seem to be getting any easier financially. Housing costs have gone up in every area. Has, has this, anybody seen this or experienced some of this before right now? Yeah. And then there are some of us who have our own personal recessions that happen because of maybe sickness or a job loss, or maybe there's been a divorce in your family. It's really affected you financially. And so there's all kinds of those reasons. But how do you make it through winter season? And these ants show us, the Bible says, look at the ants, though they are small, they are very wise. So you can learn from anything, even small things, if you're teachable. So we're going to look at some of those things. We're going to be very practical for this, uh, this morning. Strength, talent, or the status of the ant wasn't the most important thing. Preparation was. Because it says, he's, though he is small, the other one says, though he's very weak. He doesn't have a lot. When you look at the size of an ant, you look at the ability of an ant, its way that it made it through was preparation. Everybody say preparation. Don't waste your time. I heard a pastor last week who said, when it's time to be ready, it's too late to start to get ready. So last two weeks plus today, we have been trying to challenge you to look at legacy of your life. Look at something bigger than just right now to begin to think about a season so that you don't just uh, either fail in the season, not make it through the season, but actually cannot just survive but get through winter to get to spring. To get through, because there are times when it's not always easy. And how you prepare determines if you get through well or if you get through at all. So this ant shows us some of the ways. The ant teaches us, as much as you might want to bask in the sun, he, we, there are times that you must prepare for wintertime, for times when it's not always easy. It's just part of the nature of life. 
There are times like that. That's the way that we're made. But you can go through coming out of winter and come into spring. You could go through a tough season and come through on the other side with legacy. Because when that ant goes into winter, they prepared all summer to go into winter, and the flying ants in particular go into hibernation. They may lay a few eggs, but then as it's coming into spring, the eggs that they laid in, in the late fall and in winter are born, and their legacy is assured if they made it through the winter. So it's all about legacy. It's not for that queen ant to survive. It's so the next generation that's coming after, the ones that don't have the ability to do anything, can survive, not only survive, but thrive so that everything can keep going on in a great cycle of life. And it really shows us that if we're going to thrive in the next generation, not just our natural generation, but spiritually, our nation in every way is going to thrive, is that we have to be properly prepared. You're meant to go through and to come to your legacy. You get what you prepare for. You don't get what you hope for. You get what you prepare for. Preparation is the proof of your expectation. Preparation is the proof of your expectation. What you're expecting, you're preparing for. If you're not preparing, if you're saying you expect this, but you're not preparing, you're not really telling the truth to yourself. It's just a pipe dream. A dream that doesn't have any action steps ends up being actually a nightmare. So when we don't prepare, we're saying we don't believe that we're ever going to be bigger than we are right now. Not just, I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about us personally and the church. When we don't prepare for something that we don't see yet, we're actually saying that we don't believe we will ever see it. Because when she's preparing, that, those ants are preparing in the summer and going into the fall, they're believing that there's going to be a legacy that lives beyond them, so they prepare accordingly. Uh, Benny Perez, who's a pastor I follow in uh, Las Vegas, he says this, legacy is not about your lifetime, it's about your lifeline. It's because God will call you to things, will call churches to things, will call families to things that are actually meant to be fulfilled in generations, not just in one moment. See, Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, the Bible talks about that. Paul to Timothy to faithful men. In everything, it's generationally the, that one builds upon what the other did. It's not about me, my, and my way. It's about building for a future you don't yet see building for a legacy that we don't have yet. And so when we talk about finances, I see three broad uh, categories which we've been addressing, which is tithing and putting God first. It's kind of the foundation stone. Because I'm just saying, God, I need your help in every area of my life. I'm, I'm choosing to trust you. And when I take care of my heart issues with you, you're going to take care of the money issues with me. So it starts with that, but it doesn't end there. And then Daniel talked last week about sowing. Sow some for later. That sowing is the way that we say that there's going to be more later. I take from what I have and sow it in the present so that I will see it in the future. And today, the next one is, so there's returning to tithe, sowing, and then stewardship or preparation. That's what we're going to talk about today. And what I'm talking about is not from the position of an expert. It's from the position of a pastor and through the wisdom of the Word of God, which I actually think is as wise as any financial advice you will get. But you need financial advice and assistance for your particular uh, situation and uh, the nuances of your situation. So I'm going to share some broad principles from Proverbs that talk about that. We're, see, because some people would love to go into just, just pray and trust God, and that's it. Other people will say, I'm just going to handle my finances by myself. I'm going to sock it away. And we're, we're not a church that teaches either of those. We teach both of them. 
We're a both and church. We believe absolutely in praying and asking God to help you in your finances. And then we believe in acting on that as well. We're a church that believes in the Word of God and the Spirit of God. We believe in worship. We believe in the Word. We believe in giving. We believe in saving. We believe in faith. We believe in planning. They go together. We're, and somewhere, depending on where you are, you might need to lean a little bit more one way or the other. Maybe if you're so spontaneous you don't know which end is up, you need to lean a little more in the planning. Maybe the planners needed the first two weeks of this. But wherever we are, generosity is God's tool to keep stewardship from becoming stinginess. Stewardship is God's tool to keep generosity from becoming silliness. Where you're just throwing money out all the time and you never plan for another day. But generosity and stewardship together is how we build legacy. There's going to be some things going up on the screen. Can I encourage you, if you have a smartphone, just take, if you're taking notes, it's easier. Just take a picture of the screen and look at it later because you're going to, I don't want you to miss anything, okay? Generosity plus stewardship is legacy. Legacy is putting them together. Uh, and it challenges us to be good stewards that, so that we can be more generous. The better you become at stewardship is the better we can become at generosity. But the fuel of stewardship must always be the faith of generosity. The fuel of stewardship must always be the faith of generosity. They go together. And so we've been uh, looking at that. And so we're going to look at the proverb of the ant. We see that the ant did not just hope that they would make it through another day. She planned for it. She believed that she would get through winter and that legacy meant she had to do some things today that was going to help her in her future. So right in the middle of the Bible, Proverbs is full of all these things that helps us, little sayings that will help you to live uh, a better life. Uh, and, and so we're going to look at that today. But the point is that decisions we make today determine the stories we will tell tomorrow. Decisions we make today determine the stories we will tell tomorrow. And some of our decisions have to change if our future tomorrow is going to look different. And this is what we're going to look at today. Number one, decide to make a plan. The ant diligently prepares. Awareness is awesome. Action is better. And here's what this scripture says. By making excuses, you'll learn what it means to go without. Poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Look at this word picture. And move in as a roommate for life. Ouch. Plan. Make a plan. Procrastination never advances anything. What we don't tend to now will tend to go backwards later. What we don't tend to now will tend to go backwards later. Most of us don't plan to get in a ditch financially. We get there because we don't plan. It happens in all areas of our life where we neglect things and soon we're in the ditch. Marriages rarely go from we love each other to we're getting a divorce. It takes a little over time. Uh, everything that's negative in our life seems to take more work to fix than it does to, to do the positive things. For example, you don't ever have to fight uh, you know, when you go into a store and you see something there that you're like, whoa, I didn't know I needed it. That's what Costco's like. <laughs> you go there like, I had no idea I needed that. Somebody was looking out for me. I need one. In fact, I'll take two. I, I was thinking of this yet when I was at Costco on Friday. I was like, some of those packages are too big. You have to wait. Will I still be alive before this stuff's used up? <laughs> I don't know if it's just my age or what. I'm like, am I going to be alive when that... 900 rolls of toilet paper? Anyway, that's... But sloppiness in handling our finances can destroy us. We can have a good attitude. We can have a good heart. We can even tithe and give. 
But if we don't prepare, we can get in a ditch. It's not always what you have that determines your financial success. It's what you do with what you have. Shanda's grandma, who's passed away now, wonderful lady, uh, we used to go to her house. And the first thing that you do almost any time of year, especially in the winter, you would find a blanket. Because I don't know that the furnace was turned on. I mean, like for 10 minutes and then it was off. And she would, but the story behind the story is that at the late 50s, uh, she had lived her life for her husband who was 20 years older than her. He passed away. And so from that time, she lived on tiny little pensions, Canada pension, uh, the other pension for low-income people, and then two tiny pensions from her husband's work. I think one of them was $75 a month, and the other was a little bit more than that. Literally, Hydro called her to find out if someone lived there because, like, the Hydro was, like, the meter was, like, stuck, it seemed like, because she hardly ever did it. But she lived so carefully and so frugally, lived through She made sure my kids had birthday presents. She was giving me birthday presents, and I was like, come on. Like, no. And finally, she said, okay, I won't. We'll just do it for the grandkids. And so the grandkids got birthday presents. And, and when she passed away, she still had a nest egg to pass on to the next generation. Like, unbelievable. Like, it's not because she was extremely wealthy. It's because she really handled well what she had. Um, so it's not always that. But lack of control with our finances can make us vulnerable to an attack that you don't see today. can make you vulnerable to winter because you might lose a job. You might get a pay cut. You, your business might see a downturn. Your rent could be increased. Your whatever it might happen. So a lot of, uh, you don't have to struggle to make an impulse buy. You struggle not to make an impulse buy. Most negative things happen without much effort. You catch a cold, you have to plan for health. Anybody ever experienced that? You're like going around, man, I'm going to get sick. It's going to be amazing. Like, I'm going to do that. One of my kids did that once when her sister got um, measles, or not measles, what do you call them? Uh, chicken pox. She was like jealous of all the attention. So she went and licked her sister where she had the little marks, and she got it to the nth degree. She planned for sickness, but because she wanted like ice cream and stuff. I'm like, we could have given you ice cream. It's all right. <laughs> so plan, because desire without discipline is just a delusion. Desire without discipline is just a delusion. Number two, decide to work hard. The ant picks up loads bigger than it. It's hard work sometimes. You've got to carry something that's bigger than you sometimes. If you're going to prepare for your future, it will take hard work. It doesn't just take ease. It worked hard in the summer when everybody else was at the beach. It was like digging under the hole in the ground. Work hard at your job and you'll have what you need. Following a get-rich-quick scheme is nothing but a fantasy. You might say, oh, the lottery is not the answer for your financial issues. And we might laugh at that, but uh, 2014, the Bank of Montreal did a uh, study on that. 34% of Canadians, that's their retirement plan. For real. In BC, 41% believe that their financial plan is winning the lottery. The troubling part of that is that when you take a moment to consider the odds of 649, you have a, typically have a 1 in 14 million chance of winning the jackpot. That is what, this is what it means. The odds of winning will be equivalent to being struck by lightning each and every month for a year. And that's the financial plan of 41% of BCers. Okay? Some of us need to stop waiting for our ship to come in and start building it. So you might, sometimes you have to do some things like go to trade school. 
Sometimes you might need an upgrade. Sometimes you need to do some hard work of going to university. You know, one of our, uh, I say to my, my daughters, uh, like, you can live in one way or you can live in the other way. You can live with um, just in a, in a retail job, which is no besmirching of retail jobs. I'm not saying that. Just when you're 19 and 20-year-olds, reach as high as you can. Like, go for it. Like, do the hard work of going for uh, an education. Do the hard work. And if you're 35 and your life needs a reset, do the hard work. Go back to school. It might take you two years, four years, whatever it would take. Maybe be a police officer. Maybe be a nurse. Whatever stage of life, do the best you can to take another step up. And some of you, are there's seasons and times, and it's not practical. I've known people to, to do that. And I've known people who haven't done it. It's no judgment. But ask yourself the question, do I need to be doing something a little bit different? Um, this, and the third one, the decisions we make today determine the stories we tell tomorrow. Decide to get out of debt. The ant didn't eat everything in the, in the summer. The ant didn't eat everything in the summer. There was always a little left so that they could prepare for the future. Look at this scripture. The Passion Translation. It's stupid to run up bills that you'll never be able to pay or co-sign for the loan of your friend. Save yourself the trouble and don't do either one. In Canada, uh, household debt is around 170% of disposable income. In other words, the average Canadian owes about $1.70 for every dollar of income. Some will be higher than that. That's average. Uh, That ratio has gone up from 100% in 20 years, so a 70% increase over the last number of years. the first thing, and the reason why it's so important is, I, I had a boat on Vancouver Island for a short time. It was a, not a, the most amazing boat. It was an old boat, but it worked most of the time. And I remember driving away from the shore, and I looked in the back, and it was flooding with water. Uh, and when you have an old boat, you're like, it could be anything. It could be really anything. You're like, what is it? Looking around. And then this was the funniest thing. We had forgotten to put the plug in. There's... <laughs> There's a drain plug that has to go in. or So we rushed back to shore and, and got in and put the thing in and pumped it out. And now I could have spent all my time on the, pulling the kids on the tube with the pump running, trying to stay ahead of the water. Or I could put the plug in and stop the, stop the leak. And some of us, one of our most key financial decisions is to stop the leak. Stop the leak. Don't wait. Prepare for a season. Be brave. Be bold. Start with the smallest one and start attacking it. And then move on to the next one and then the next one. Uh, Try to challenge yourself to not buy anything you don't need. Next one. I think we're doing okay. Decide to be contented. Ants don't grumble about what they don't have. They just work with what they do have. And in our culture today, your worth so often is valued and measured by what you have, what you think you have, what you shouldn't have, the house that you have. The, uh, none of it really matters to Jesus. Just ask Jesus what you should have and be, be, be happy with that. Philippians 4 says this, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. How many would agree with that statement? You know what it is to be in need at times? You've known what it is to be in plenty. Some of you are, I'm waiting for the plenty side. Some of you. I have learned, Paul says, the secret of being content in, every, in uh, any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I, so here, what is the secret, he said? Be content. But how do I do that? And the next verse is beautiful. I can do this through him who gives me strength, through Jesus. Because sometimes the battle for your heart is really strong. 
and we need the help of God to be content in our situation, to be content. doesn't mean you have, don't have dreams or anything like that. It just it means I don't allow my emotions and my feelings to lead me. I let Jesus lead me to what he has for me. How, how can I do it? Through Christ. Somebody said, I can do this. Let's say that strong. I can do this. When God sees you happy with someone else that he's blessing, he can't wait to do it for you. Hmm. The decisions we make today determine the stories we tell tomorrow. Decide to save. The ant stores up in the summer. So start by saving. How much do I save? Financial experts would tell you that to, at the very least to start with, with a uh, uh, $1,000 or two weeks pay, whichever is more. Start there. And once that's done, aim for an emergency fund where you could begin to build and dream for three months uh, worth of expenses that could cover things like the big car repair you didn't expect, the appliance that breaks. Uh, and then depending on your season, you may be able to save for things that are even further down the road. This, whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Most of us are looking for the home run, the stock tip that's going to quadruple in 10 minutes or anything like that. Or uh, you, If you watch on the comments of different blogs and things, there's already some, always somebody on there, I work from home and I make $300,000 a week and I just like do it in my sleep on my bed with my toes. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how it all... It's probably not true. There's an old saying, if it's too good to be true, it's probably not true. That's a good little sound piece of advice. Aim, but look at this. Little by little, it can happen. If you saved $500 a year... That's a little bit more than a dollar a day, a little bit more. Over the course of 35 years, that would be $37,000. $500 a year. And uh, almost 20,000 almost 20, of that is just interest. So a dollar, a little bit more than a dollar a day. And by the, if you're 20 right now, by the time you're 55, you'd have an extra uh, $40,000. That's just five, that's a dollar a day. That just let, it illustrates little by little, things grow. We want things quick. We want them fast, but little by little. Another scripture says this, brilliant ideas pay off and bring you prosperity, but making hasty, impatient decisions will only lead to financial loss. When you're impatient or impulsive, we do silly, silly things. We run red lights. This morning on my way uh, here this morning, there was a guy uh, just ran right through a totally red light. I don't know if he was sleeping on his way to church here. I didn't see you, um, but maybe. But when you're purchasing something of significant value, here is something you can do. Pray first and sleep on it. I read about this by one financial, uh, Christian financial author said, he would say that to car salesmen and things like that. Pray, I'm, I need to pray about it. And they would be like, okay, I'll give you a moment. He's like, no, I'm going to pray about it and wait till morning. Because they want to pressure you along. And uh, pressure is never a good thing to make a decision under. I am terrible when it comes to the people selling me stuff at the door. Like I... I I don't know if it's worse, but I pretend I don't hear the door, knock, door, the door knocking. I, I have a little thing. I can see who's out front. If it's a girl guy with those cookies, I can't go to the door. I'm like buying, I'm cleaning her out. Like, yeah, will you buy these so that little children will survive and they won't get into gangs? And be, I'm like, okay, I'll take them all. I'll just take them all. <laughs> Some people can do that. Uh, one of the worst decisions I ever made, in, in my mind, it's one of the worst, is we, were on, we came into a Mexican place, and they have this thing called timeshares. <laughs> Just come to this meeting for like 90 minutes, and you'll get this, 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 and this. And I'm like, sweet. 
I'll get that money, and I'll get some vouchers for dinner. It'll be amazing. At the end of it all, you're like sweating. They got like bright lights on you. Somebody's holding a gun to your head, and they're like, if you don't buy this now, your children will die. You're like, I've got to sign up now. That's how you feel. It's not actually what happens. So I bought one, and recently I just sold it because it was a terrible decision. It just cost money. Uh, I don't know if any of you have ever made a bad decision before, but I have. If you've made hasty, impatient decisions, chances are you might be in some level of difficulty. The way out is pray first, take it step by step, and begin to move. And that's where the next one is. Decide to get help. Ants work together. They all work together, do their part. This, I love this verse. If you solicit good advice, then your plans will succeed. So don't charge into battle without wisdom, for wars are won by skillful strategy. The likelihood is if you're in a spot where you wished you weren't, it's because either you didn't know or you didn't know the impact of it or you knew and you thought it didn't apply to you or you just didn't know. And there's no judgment with that. It's just the reality is that sometimes we make dumb decisions. If you've ever made a dumb decision, just put your hand up. If you've ever made a dumb decision, look around. Come on, some of you, some of you should have your hand up. Some of you should put both hands up. We're having fun. Relax. It's a difficult topic. If you need help reorganizing your debt or reorganizing your finances, you're not sure where to go to plan and budget, there are nonprofit organizations out there helpful that could help you. Seek out help. You have to be proactive. We have this amazing thing called the Internet that is full of a plethora of information, almost too much information. So you're going to look for, can I put them up? There are some uh, places that can great uh, help to you that are Canadian, that are not for profit, that can really help you in reorganizing your finances. doesn't mean that everything's in a ditch. It just means, man, I need a little bit of help to get back on track. There's all kinds of resources on there you can call uh, confidentially, uh, and, and they, they can help you. And uh, you might be ready and need to go into battle debt, there are ways and strategies to do that, that other smarter people know how to do that can help you. You might need to build up a retirement plan. You might need to do something to reorganize your finances. They can help you. Who knows what you might do, need to do? But there are people that can help you. There's lots of resources. Uh, Marvin, if you can come. I think I have a Bible here. I just felt to do something that's not in my notes just this morning. Um, Marvin's going to come on. Come on all the way up here, Marvin. You can, he'll just take a moment. So second, second Kings in chapter four, there's this amazing, I'll let you sit down. There's an amazing story of uh, uh, the wife. It's a, it's a story of a woman who, it says this, it says the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming. So to take my two boys as his slave. In other words, she said, I'm in a situation that I never anticipated being in. I'm in a financial situation where I've, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get from where I am. I just know that trouble's coming, and I don't know how to get out of it. And, and I love that. Elisha uh, didn't respond to her and say, well, how did you get there, you dummy? You shouldn't have done that. I can't believe it. He was a prophet too, and oh my goodness, he didn't listen to that sermon on legacy. Terrible. No, Elisha says to her, how can I help you? So much shame around this issue that we fail to ask for help 
the first one that we can, because we're, we're going to talk all about these practical things today, but I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a pastor. I'm, I can't get away from, there are times when we've done everything that we can, and it's simply not enough. And she said, he said, well, how can I help you? He says, tell me, what do you have in your house? She said, I have nothing here except a small jar of olive oil. And then he goes on to tell her, go get uh, pots and pans from all your neighbors and bring them into your house. Bring them all. Don't ask for just a few. Go all to your neighbor. I want pots. I want pans. And then bring them into your house. Pour the oil into the jars. And each is filled. Put it into the side. I just have a little. Bring them all in. And according to your expectation, he filled. It was filled. It says that they brought all, just the house is just full of all these pots and pans. Brought him into her house, and God did something supernatural that took what she had to take her from where she was to where she needed to go, because it was about legacy. Her two sons were about to go into slavery. So here's my point in all that, is that there are times when you've done everything that you can. You're going to make the decision to be a tither. You're going to make the decision to, to sow into the next generation. You're going to do your preparation. You're going to do all that, but you're still say, God, I absolutely need your help. I absolutely need your help. I don't know what to do. And I believe that there are all through this room, because I know the statistics of our nation, that there are people in financial issues of, for some of you, no fault of your own. Some maybe you made a difficult decision. Some t- I don't know how you got there. Some of it's debt, some of it's all kinds of stuff. But I'm, I'm believing that as we begin to put into place, putting God first, sowing, doing our preparation, and say, God, I need your help, that there's going to be something supernatural that God can do. I, as I was praying this morning, I, I, I came to Marvin and I was like, ah, I'm feeling like I should do this. And it's not something that was like in my plan to do. But what I'm going to do in a moment is... Uh, I've, I've watched Marvin for 30 years. Yeah, a long time. And uh, actually, uh, your house on 124th Street, I think, was the first time I was there. And uh, not because he had a lot, but he, what he did with what he had, God has blessed on their life and taken them places. He shared on a video that was last week, you could watch that, where uh, God just took them, not because of what they had, got them into places that they had no business getting into because of Jesus. And that's actually how God works. Because how, how am I going to break three? How am I going to step into this? How am I going to uh, survive in my retirement? Whatever it might be. We all have our issue. The important thing is, number one, is that you're not ashamed of that. How can I help you? And that's the word of the Lord. How can I help you? How can I help you? And that I'm going to do my part, but God does what God can do. She went and did her part. God did what he can do. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to be very brave and stand. And you just say, I, I just need some financial relief. Some of you have grown up in places where you felt like you never had enough and worry that you will never have enough. Some of you are in places where you're like, I need to grow in my generosity. Some of you are in places where you're concerned about financial issues. And like this woman said, I need help. The response of this house is always going to be, how can we help? And we're going to go to Jesus. So in a moment, uh, I'm going to ask if any of that, if, if you're in a situation, this is going to take some boldness. Where I just say, God, I, I, I need some help to move into the next uh, season. I want to get through the winter so I can come and, and live in a life of legacy. No matter whether I'm 20 or I'm 70 or more. I want to live well for legacy.
And then Marvin's going to pray, and I'm going to ask him to pray because he's seen breakthrough and God work for him in this area, in his family. And uh, there's an authority on his life to be able to pray into it, all right? So if that's you, if I describe you, just jump to your feet. Just say, I just need to see a release in my life. I just need to see a greater release. I've been through some situations that were no fault of my own, and here I am. I just need to see a breakthrough and a release. I need, I need the help of heaven. Some of you might say, I don't know how I'm going to get from here to there. You know you want to, but you don't know how you're going to get there. But God, I need it. Some of you want to start a business. You don't have a flipping clue how to do it. Stand. Some of you are, there's no shame right now. Look around. There's no shame. This is not a place that, that, that traffics in shame. We traffic in answers and go into the one who has the answers. We traffic in hope in the one that has all hope. That we could live differently for the next generation, to be a people that a gift or a bequest that's transmitted, inherited, or received from a predecessor, that be those kind of people that I want to live. You know, there's some people who say, I just want to, I just want to have enough to live on. I, that's fine for you. But I believe that God wants his people to be blessed to be a blessing. That's what the Bible says. So if you're, if you're good and you're sitting, that's no problem with that. There's no judgment at all. We're grateful for you. And we're going to ask you to join in prayer as Marvin prays. And for the people around you, maybe, uh, maybe you want, if there, you see a friend or somebody like that, just put your hand on their shoulder, pray over them, uh, and away we go. You got it? Father, we thank you that when we were lost in our sin, you sent Jesus to make the provision for our sin so that we could come to you in relationship. Lord, there was no way for us to break the chains of sin in our life, but you made the way. You sent your Son to die for us, to make the provision. And so, Father, we admit to you right now we've made mistakes. Lord, we confess to you in our mind right now, we confess to you the mistakes that we have made financially. You said that you are faithful and you are just to forgive us our sins to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Father, we now thank you that you have forgiven us for our failure. You have forgiven us for our lack of planning. You have forgiven us for our impulsive buying. You have forgiven us for running into crazy debt. And now, Father, we're asking you to come and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're asking you to cleanse our mind to cleanse our spirit, to cleanse us on the inside from those impulsive things that have led us to where we are today. And Lord, we know we have confidence that just like you forgave our sin, you have now forgiven us these failures too. And so, Father, we're asking you now to bless. We're asking you now, Lord, to close the doors of where we have walked before. Close the door so that no man can open those doors. 
And Father, we're asking you to open the doors of blessing. We're asking you to pour out your blessing, that you will make a way where there is no way, where you will make it possible where it was impossible before, that, Father, you will help us, you will strengthen us, you will lead us, you will help us to cast down imaginations and every thought that exalts itself against you that we would bring every thought into captivity to your word, your principles, your purpose, and we would walk in it. So, Father, we release your blessing. We release your blessing upon each and every one who is on their feet today, who has admitted they have made mistakes. We come before the courts of heaven, and you have declared us not guilty. So, Father, now we release blessing. We release your goodness. We release your faithfulness. We release your prosperity. We release your blessings upon your people. Be glorified, Father. Be magnified in the midst of our finances, in the midst of our situation, in the midst of our circumstances. We release your goodness and your blessing now in Jesus' name. And everyone said...